0: A couple weeks ago, last Sunday we had—if uh, you weren't here—last Sunday we had our our what we called our Christmas showcase, um, worship the King, and uh, it was lovely. Didn't wasn't that wasn't that lovely last last week? Yeah, and um, it it was great. But the week before that, we had looked at a passage in uh, Matthew chapter one, and. Uh, I wanted to continue that, uh, that message. Um, I want to read the same passage again. Last time we, we focused on something behind me. Oh, it's my son. Don't worry, he's crazy. So uh, uh, he is. I live with him. I know him better than you. Yeah, It's true. We still love him, but you know, my dad's crazy too, but we still love him. You know, it's how it goes, you know. Um, but <laughs> stop now, stop, stop. <laughs> Matthew chapter 1, we looked at, um, we we're going to read 18 to 25 if you have your Bibles. And we, we stopped last time on uh, the verse that said, and he will, he, you will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sin, Right. And so we we focused on the name of Jesus. It's a simple name, a beautiful name, a powerful name, and we talked all about that. It changed your life a couple of weeks ago, you recall. And so this this time we're going to continue on and focus on the latter part of that uh, portion. Uh, Put up for me Matthew 1, verse 18 to 25. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man, didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him, come on, Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Remember we were saying his name in all those languages? You know, how do you say Jesus in Italian? How do you say Jesus in French? That's right. It all sounds like Jesus to me. Yeah, that all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Hey, just before we go, Steve, how do you say Jesus in Swahili? Do you know how? Sounds like Jesus to me. Yeah. Okay. look, here we are. Now, here's what we want to focus on today. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So there's many names that are given to Jesus throughout the Bible, many, many names. And each name sort of gives you a fuller picture of, of who he is, of what his purpose was, what, what his calling was, what his, what his determination was going to be. All these names add flavor, add depth to, to who he is, and they reveal more of him to us. Now, the name Jesus, we talked a couple of weeks ago, it means Savior, God saves, or Lord of salvation. That's what Jesus means. Um, and uh, so, like we, I said, a couple weeks ago, we looked at that, the, the verse, the angel told Joseph, you are to name him Jesus. Salvation, God saves, Lord of salvation. You are to name him that. Be, why? Because he's coming to save his people from their sin right? So, uh, you know what? I was thinking this week, um, uh, it, it might reveal slightly my age, but back in the 90s, how many were alive in the 90s? Okay, back in the 90s, there was a singer, her name was Joan Osborne, and she sang this song, it was called, What If God Were One of Us? Do you remember that song? Right? What if God were one of us? You know that, rolling, right? Just a stranger on the ball. right? Remember that song? Okay. Well, I was thinking about that song this week when I was thinking about Emmanuel. God is with us. Um, some of the lyrics, I I YouTube the the song, and some of the lyrics just struck me. It's sort of a weird song, but but some of the lyrics, it's it's not just kind of a weird song. It sort of is a weird song, but but some of the lyrics to that weird song, she says this. She said. If she said, if God had a name, right, what would it be? Or if God had a face, what would it look like? And, and I was thinking, she doesn't know. She needs to be invited to Christmas Eve. God does have a name, several names. The most popular name is, we call his name, Jesus. she should know that. I don't know where she is, but Lord help her to know that. Yeah, um, it, it, does God have a face? What would He look like? Yes. Yeah, see, the good news is, God did become one of us. It's not. It, it, it's not once upon a time. It's not. A, it's not a make-believe Disney movie. It's real. It's true. It's life. It, God did become one of us. Look at John one. Verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This is Jesus. He is God's promise to deliver us. He He is Jesus the Christ, we call him, right? So Jesus means salvation. Christ means salvation i 've been into names this this Christmas, looking at the Christmas story. Christ is the anointed one, like like the old song, or the Greek equivalent is Messiah, and we use all these words to try to describe jesus you know uh, he's he's he 's indescribable, you know the you know the clip of the old black preacher, and he 's like he 's the He's the roadway to righteousness you know come on he's the he's the gateway to glory he he's you know you know and on and on i, I anyway I, I memorized that one year i i it 's true, not here. I actually memorized that one year and I came out on a stage and I performed it i 'm only black on the inside but 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 i I, I did it, and, and, and I loved it, and it was fun. But it was, uh, it was, it was uh, Pastor Lockyer, I think his name is, Lockridge, and uh, just awesome. But we're, we use all these words to try to describe how awesome, how wonderful he is. So, so Jesus is salvation. Christ means anointed one or, or Messiah. Now, I was thinking Jesus is like his human name. Christ is like his official title, and Emmanuel also describes, or really describes, ultimately, who he is. He is God with us, Emmanuel. He is, of course, Messiah. He's, he's the Christ. He's the Anointed One. He's the King. He's, as Isaiah prophesied, he is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, right? He is the Bright and the Morning Star. He is all of these names and more. Emmanuel, God is with us, is really, truly one of the most powerful descriptions of who he really is. Matthew uses this Old Testament prophecy from, it's from Isaiah, many of you would know again, I know, I understand. Many of you uh, have read it, but it's from Isaiah chapter 7, I'm not going to put it up, but it's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And he talks about, and the virgin will be with child, and she'll give birth, and you are to call his name Emmanuel, for, and, or he's God with us. And so, so Matthew quotes this passage from Isaiah chapter 7 to describe Jesus. It had an Old Testament fulfillment. People debate who that was, but it did have a, an Old Testament fulfillment. But ultimately, Isaiah's promise is, is completed, properly fulfilled, in the life of Jesus. So Matthew uses it. He wants us to know that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise. He is going to be God with us. he's, He's the fulfillment of God's promise that he wants to be with us, that he's always actually going to be with us, that he always has been with us. He is God with us. And Jesus was going to bring this home in a whole new way. So the idea of God's presence with us, it, it, it actually goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when you think about it. Remember uh, remember uh, um, before sin came and it says, Adam would walk in the cool of the day, remember? And, 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 and chat with God. Wouldn't that be a lovely chat to have? Just walking around in the beautiful cool of the day, talking fellowshipping, interacting, asking questions. This is, this is the relationship that he had. God would come and he'd talk to Adam and they'd walk around in the cool of the day. God is with us. It's actually what he wanted from the beginning, right? So sin enters the world. The relationship that, that we all have, that people have with God, it, it obviously changes. And now Jesus has come to make it right again. So the desire that God has to be in this close relationship with us, right? You have to understand, that's, that's real. He, he wants to be in this close relationship with us. He showed it right from the beginning. And, and now Jesus has come to make it right again. So God loves the world right so much that he sends his son, right? So that if we believe, we receive eternal life. So he, he has this desire to be in close relationship with us. Emmanuel means God, God is with us. But, but when we say that, I was thinking about God is with us, and we've said it a million times, many of us maybe hundreds of times, but, um, but think about it again, just fresh, just, just think about it fresh. Let the Christmas story impact you again this morning. He, he takes on flesh. Can we possibly imagine the great price that he pays? That God loves the world so much that he takes on flesh, right? So for him, taking on flesh, it means all. It means so many things that we could be here all day talking about it. But he, he, it, it means that he, Jesus comes and he must take on this limited human nature. Right? He must identify with our sufferings and he must come near to us in order to save us. He must be with us. He must be among us. God is with us. That's the whole point. He's not, he's not the God who's a million miles away. He's the God who's in the trenches with you. Amen? That, that's his point, And that's what he's trying to, to, to emphasize. Like, Think about his birth. Look at um, Luke 2.6. It says, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. So, uh, and that's all I want to read because you kind of know it. And if you don't know it, read the book, right? But Luke chapter 2, come on Christmas Eve, we'll read the story for you, okay? It's to come. But, but the time comes and, and, uh, and, and look where they are. Right, I mean, just think about the details of his birth again with me in a fresh way, right? Mary and Joseph are not rich people. They're not well-known people. They're just humble, blue-collar people. She's a teenager. He's young. They don't really know what they're doing. They can't even find a room for her to give birth in, right? Now, um, I've been to Bethlehem several times, okay? And w- when we say that Jesus was... And next time we go, you should all come with me when we take ne- another tour to Israel. Start saving now, all right? Say we can, we'll have a lot of fun over there together. But this, we say Jesus was born in a stable, okay? We say that. But whether he was born in a stable or not, we're not even sure. I'll tell you what's more likely. He was probably born in a cave. If you walk around the fields out in Bethlehem, it's rocky and, and dusty. It's desert-like. Condition and there's there's these little caves everywhere that uh, that people would use to um, they would herd their animals in at night into these caves and and so whether it was a stable or a cave I don't I don't know and it doesn't really matter but here's the thing he's not born in a nice place right he's born in in a place that not even peasant people would want their children to be born in imagine. Carly, where are you? You are great with child. Do you want that child to be born in a dirty barn? No, probably not. I'll answer for you. No, like probably not. You know, with Robbie there alone, you don't want that, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. So it, 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 this, this doesn't work, right? Like they're just two young people. They don't know what they're doing. They're either in a dirty old stable or a nasty old cave. It's, it, it's not a nice place. It's crowded with animals. We, we, you know, we make it pretty at Christmas time, but it really wasn't that pretty. Understand. It was actually dirty. It was smelly. What barn have you ever been in that's filled with animals that smells Well, let's just leave it like that, right? It's dark. It's damp. It's just not a nice place to be in. And there they are, right? If God, now you think about it. We're going to talk about the star. Um, I'm doing just a little quick devotional on Christmas Eve. But we're going to talk about the star a little bit. But if God can, like, command a star to be the travel guide for people coming from a long way away, all right, and guides them right to the spot where the baby is. You'd think, right? You'd think that he could have provided a better place for them. You'd think he could have at least given them a room. Didn't need to be the penthouse suite, but man, like not even a room? Well, of course, the answer is, of course, he could have, right? But he chose not to. Have you ever wondered about that? Like, seriously? Hmm, just take why wonder about that? Well, I'm going to wonder out loud with you today, right? Like, why? Why? Why is it important that Jesus is born in such a place? Why is it important that his beginning is like this? Right? He could have done this in a different way. But understand this: when we think about his and you will call him Emmanuel, for he is God with us, right? So listen, he's, he's with us. So right from the start, he, God, the father wants his son to not be protected from the realities of life, right? If he's with us, right, then he must be with us. Meaning, he's not born in the lap of luxury. He's not born with a, with a silver spoon in his mouth. He doesn't have servants waiting on him. That's not how normal, regular people live, right? That's not how we live. We struggle. We have pain. We have bills. We have worries. We have issues. We got dirt. We got smell. We got dark, damp places that we live in and deal with all the time in our lives in the natural and in, in the spiritual realm. It, it's, it's who we are. And so if you're saying God, Emmanuel, He is with us. He's not, he's not the, the God with us living up on the castle up on top of the hill. No. He's the God who was born in the dirty, dirty spot with the animals, with a couple of peasant people. He had a, a a more humble beginning than almost anybody. Do you understand the price that he paid? I just want you to just have that sink in a little bit fresh today. He, when it says God is with us, he is not removed, he is not distant, he didn't come to earth and was born into a kingly family or into a rich family who lives on the best house at the top of the hill who doesn't really know how to relate to people who live down at the bottom of the hill. No, he was born at the bottom of the bottom of the hill. Do you understand? He did it on purpose. There was a reason. Emmanuel, God is with us. The father wanted his son to experience life in a very, very real way. And he was not saved from the from the from the trials and difficulties of life, and then, so you so you have to ask like so why, why, why would that be important? Well, as I say sometimes, I'm glad you asked because I was thinking, why would he want that? And I got reading. Uh, it reminded me of Hebrews chapter four. I'm not going to put it up, but Hebrews four fifteen. You know it says. When we, it says, we have a high priest. Come on. We have a high priest who can sympathize with us. For he has gone through and faced everything that we have faced and yet was without sin. So, this is why it was important. Because how can he sympathize with us? How can he understand our personal struggles Things that we battle with if he didn't have to battle with them himself. You know, listen, I was in a car accident. I was uh, nearly killed a number of years ago now. I'll, I'll tell that story maybe one day. But when, when, when I uh, got out of that car accident and I was alive, let me tell you, I would go into the hospital to visit people who were in a car accident or, or, or who were banged up physically or facing something else. I'll tell you, it, it, it completely changed how I related to them. It it does, right? Right? Somebody who's gone through something challenging and difficult, right, understands to a greater depth someone else who's experiencing something similar. It's just the way it goes. You know it's true. It, It pans out that way all the time, right? So this is important to understand about Jesus. We have a high priest who can sympathize with us for he has faced everything that we have ever faced. He lived like we live. He ate and worked like we do. The stable, the manger, the animals, the, 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 the shepherds. It, right from the beginning, it points to the fact that God sent Jesus to live in the real world. Mm-hmm. The real world. He was given no advantage of money. He was given no advantage of position. He was, he was born into a blue-collar, no-name family. He was given nothing. He worked a real job. He suffered hardship just like us. So when we are facing disappointment and pain, we can pour out, this is what Hebrews 4 says, so you can go to Him boldly with your requests, for He understands and has sympathy and love and compassion for you. You can approach the throne of God with boldness, right? Because of His love and His grace and His sympathy and His understanding of what you're going through, right? It's the classic, He has been there right? He's been there. Jesus has been there. A life without advantage, he lived it. I mean, think about it. Shortage, poverty, he understands. Discrimination, oppression. Jesus was a refugee before he turned one, right? They got chased out of their own country, rejected and ridiculed. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to him. He experienced it. Abandonment by people that you love? Yeah. His closest friends left him at the time of his greatest need. He's experienced these things. Physical pain? Yeah. More than you and I could ever possibly understand or ever experience. And you think, has something ever driven you to the edge of your breaking point? Like, it's just been too much. You feel like, you know, you're on, you're on the edge of the cliff. Like, I, I just can't take it anymore. And there's nobody that understands. Now, I know that none, nobody here says stuff like that. But I've heard that people say that stuff, you know. But when you get to that point, when you go, like, I'm, I'm right at the edge I, I'm facing so much stuff. I'm under so much pressure. The weight, the darkness, whatever it is, is upon me. Nobody can understand. Nobody, nobody gets this like I do. I want you to be reminded this morning. Look into the stable, my friends. Look into the stable. And be reminded at Christmas time that Jesus does understand, He does get it. He started that way and lived that way. And he does identify with you. No matter what you are going through, he can sympathize. So the Christmas story is, it's about Emmanuel. God is with us. It's Jesus taking on human nature. He's identifying with our sufferings. And he's coming near to us. He's among us. He's not the God way over there. He's he's here among us, right? His life was deliberately, deliberately unsheltered. It was deliberately unsheltered from the pain of this world. The Christmas story doesn't start with once upon a time. You know, it, it actually starts with a young woman who's freaking out because she finds herself pregnant before she's married in a culture where that was completely unacceptable you see back then when you were engaged you were you were virtually married you you were you, you got engaged and there was there was this uh sort of betrothal period of time the, the woman would still live with her parents, and the man would would be living with his parents or with some somewhere else but they were they were engaged, but they were officially they you know they were officially together the the marriage wouldn 't be consummated they wouldn't have relationship intimate any intimacy until until that wedding day. but they were considered to be married, so that 's what I understand when it says joseph joseph 's thinking about well what am I going to do now?" like I don't want to expose her to death and shame and pain. Uh, so I'm I'm going to divorce her quietly. And so some people don't quite get that, but he still, he still had this deep, deep connection. And so God has to come and say, no, it's okay. Take her as your wife, because this is a work of the Holy spirit and, and she's a good woman. And, uh, and you need, you need to go through with this. And so, It's this real beginning. It's this real story of the life of a young couple thrown, uh, you know, uh, a whirlwind of experience. And here they are now, the census, and they got to travel. I don't know what it's like to be pregnant, and I sure don't know what it's like to be pregnant either walking or bouncing up and down on a donkey. I don't want to know, actually. She is on the verge of giving birth, and they're walking. I mean, could you, like, this is uncomfortable right from the start. you understand? And, and this is the life that Jesus is born into. It's a real beginning. God is with us. Deliberately unsheltered life with us. So, then we have the promise of his presence Meaning Jesus Jesus says, well, God says he's Emmanuel, God with us. And then and then Jesus said it again. He reiterates this kind of idea again and again, many times throughout throughout the Gospels, that He promises that He will be with us. It's not a promise that goes away. When God says, Emmanuel, God is with us, that's it, right? Like it's done. Now you're never getting rid of me. It's like Love me now because you're stuck with me forever in heaven, right? Like, we're, he, he's with us now forever, right? God is with us. So Jesus promised that as well uh, in, mo- in multiple different ways. Look at Matthew uh, eighteen twenty. 20. Uh, he said, where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them, right? He is among us today through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is here. He's hearing my words. He's hearing your thoughts. He's here among us today. We love you, Lord, and you're welcome here. Yeah, but he is among us. God is with us, right? Matthew 28, 20. He said these words right before he left. He said, teach the new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am, come on, say it, with you always. Even to the end of the age, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And even in death, even in death. And he was teaching people and trying to comfort people to understand. You have to understand when I am with you, what is this life? God sits outside of time and space. So listen, I'm with you now and I'm going to be with you you when you cross the curtain of life to death. He even said this in John chapter 14, right? He said, when everything is ready... He's talking about death. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Isn't that lovely? Do you understand that he's saying, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm going to be with you right to the end. And when you take your last breath, I'm the one who's going to welcome you on the other side. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I've never abandoned you. God is with us. Really, really with us. It's such an important truth to grasp. See, he leaves now, but then he he speaks of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because how can he be with us if he leaves? And this is the quandary that the disciples found themselves in. He's leaving, and they're freaking out, going, what are we going to do without you? Right? And he goes, don't worry. I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. So when I leave, he will come and he will guide you. He will strengthen you. He will speak my words. He will, he will be me. He will be among you. He is the Holy Spirit. He promises that, right? He spoke of the promise of the Holy Spirit who will be with you. And, and then he said, ultimately, he will be in you, right? Look at John 14. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will, come on, never leave you. This is the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Look what Paul said in Colossians 1 verse 27. It says, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. That's us. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. You understand, this is, you would, some of you would know it, this is Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? This is the hope. He is with us, in us, among us. He is here, God with us, even at the end of time, even at the very end of time, right? As time as we know it, the, the, the promise that it is still true that God is going to be with us. Look at Revelation chapter 21, right at the end of the Bible. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now where? Among his people, right? He will live where? With them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be With them. Emmanuel. God is with us. Now until the end. For he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For all these things will be gone forever in his presence. See, God continues to be with us right now. Right now. Right here in this very moment. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is with us. The Lord. He is our counselor. He's our guide. He's our comforter. We're not alone. We never have been and we never will be. Do you understand that today? So Emmanuel, God with us. God with us in the tough times. God with us in the ordinary times. God with us every day. God with us when we're, you know, when you're driving to work. He's there. When you're watching TV, He's there. When you're talking to your kids, He's there. When you're arguing with your spouse, He's still there. He's there. When you're facing death, He's there. When you're facing disease, He's there. He's never left us never plans to, right? When you're feeling lost, he's there. When you're feeling uncertain, he's there. You don't have to face any of this without him. The good, the bad, or the ugly. See, Christmas is the story of God loving us so much that he sends his son. The Message uh, Bible, if you ever read that, it says... In uh, John 1, verse 14, it says this, the word meaning Jesus. It says, the word became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. (laughs) And I just think he captured something so lovely about that. The word became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. Yeah. And guess what? He ain't moving out. God with us, he is among us. He doesn't have the castle on the hill. He has the little manger spot with two scared young people and a dirty barn filled with animals. He's among us. He's with us. He always was, and he always will be. You know, he came to live among us so that we could get back this this close relationship that he wanted from the start. He He wanted that back. He wanted it back. And it tells me something about how passionate he is for me and for you and for us. Do you understand? He wants that back. It's what he wanted. And now he's fighting to get it back. He's provided a way to get it back. For God loves the world so much that he sends his son. And if we believe, we receive eternal life. It's just that simple. So it's this lovely, awesome, powerful, dirty, real story. And, and, and again, it just shows us how loved we are and how valued we are. And how we're promised never to be left alone. He will be with us right to the last breath. And then he'll be with us with our first breath in heaven. This is who he is. This is who he's promised to be. This is why he came. Look, the virgin will be with the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us.
1: Watch this. Christmas, it means many different things to many different people, but if you condense the many meanings of Christmas down to just one simple truth, you'll always end up with four words, over and over and over again, four words, God is with us. The holy God of Israel, wrapped warmly in humanity, is crying real tears in a real city with real parents We're trying their best to take it all in. God is with us. He's on our planet, on our countryside, in our manger. Emmanuel, the very name the angel speaks, is now given to Jesus because God is with us. Fast forward 2,000 years. The four words that changed history can now change us those four words are the only words that can bring meaning to the deepest places of our hearts. For the woman whose husband walked out on her and who continually struggles to pick up the pieces. For the elderly couple who can no longer care independently for themselves and who must now rely on the care of others. For the man who watches as all of his friends get married off and who painfully wonders if there's any woman out there who will ever take an interest in him. For the person who is seeking truth and looking hard at Jesus as a possibility. Was a cave in Bethlehem to communicate one simple, abiding truth. God is with us, and those four words have the power and the beauty to change every waking moment.
0: Four amazing words, God is with us.